Well, welcome to Tour Today Ministries, everyone, as we continue our series called Parsha Seasonings, where we take the weekly portion of the Torah and we draw out some of the seasonings, some of the, the little bits that really fill it with flavor, but things that will not reveal themselves in the English Bible. In fact, some of these things do not even reveal themselves in printed Hebrew Bibles, and today is one of those examples. Because what I want to show you today reveals itself only in a hand-printed kosher Torah scroll. So, let's get right into the portion. Now, this portion begins right where last week's portion, portion Balak, left us with a cliffhanger. If you read last week's portion, you know that at the end of the portion, Israel had begun to commit sin of idolatry and fornication with the Moabite, Midianite, Midianite women, and uh, a plague was beginning to sweep through the camp because of the sin of the Israelite men. And this sin became so, so horrible and so in your face that Aaron's grandson, Phineas, or in Hebrew, Pincus, he took a spear and there was a couple committing sin right there at the opening of the tabernacle. And he took the spear, ran it through both of them, killing them both instantly. And immediately the plague stopped. And the Torah portion ends. Now, it's a cliffhanger because you don't know what's going to happen to Phineas at this point. Because what he did, technically, was illegal. And yet he was so overcome with zeal for God and for the people of Israel and uh, such horror at the sin that the people are committing that he, he acted without consulting anyone. So, when this week's Torah portion opens up in Numbers 25 verse 10, this is what we read. And Adonai said to Moses, Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, son of Aaron the priest, has turned back my wrath from the people of Israel in that he was jealous or zealous. Jealous and zealous are the same word in Hebrew. Yeah, I, so I like zealous. I think we'll go with that. He was zealous with my zeal, my jealousy among them, so that I did not consume the people of Israel in my zeal, my jealousy. Therefore say, Behold, I give to him my covenant of peace, my covenant of shalom. And it shall be to him and to his descendants after him the covenant of a perpetual priesthood, because he was jealous or zealous for his God and made atonement for the people of Israel. So apparently God was not only pleased and okay with what Phineas did, but he rewards him with this extraordinary perpetual covenant of shalom, a perpetual priesthood. And uh, there are a lot of theories as to what that means, but that's beyond the scope of this teaching. Now, what I want us to do is take a look at that word peace or shalom as it appears in the Torah scroll. Now, here is the word shalom. There you can see it at the top. It's spelled shin, lamed, vav, mem. Four letters, shalom, and which means peace. And here's how it appears in a Torah scroll. There's the Shin, the Lamed, the Vav, and the Mem. But do you notice something interesting about that Vav? In every Torah scroll in the world, 
the Vav in this word, and only in this word in the Torah, just here in this passage, is broken in half. As you can see there, it's broken in half right in the middle. Now the rabbis don't know why this is done, but tradition always depicts the Vav in Shalom at the beginning of Torah portion Pincus this way all the time and every scroll. Here is how it appears in one of my Torah scroll apps on my iPad. And there you can very clearly see the broken Vav. And again, the rabbis don't know why this is done. It's just done in this word. But there are theories. And I want to share two of those theories with me because they seem to be the most common theories, the most widely accepted. And I think they make the most sense of all of them, though there may be other just as valid theories. And it's this. If you break that Vav in half, then it's like you're getting rid of the bottom, like you're circumcising away the bottom part of the letter. So instead of Shin Lamad Vav Mem, you have Shin Lamad Yud Mem. And if we spell the word this way, turning the Vav into a Yud, it spells the word Shalim, which means complete. But other rabbis say, well, it's broken in half because basically we're just supposed to cast the letter aside altogether. So if we cast the letter aside altogether, we now have a word spelled Shin Lamed Mim. But that also is an alternate spelling of the word Shalem, which means complete. In other words, by reducing the Vav or even taking the Vav away altogether, there's a completion that comes. And this broken Vav always speaks, when I read this verse, it speaks of completion. And one of the principles we find in Scripture from beginning to end is that a person is not complete until he or she is broken. All of us come into this world and as we reach adolescence and begin to grow, we begin to develop an ego, a willfulness, a uh, I want to do it my way approach to life. And for us to be of real use to God and effective in building his kingdom, we have to be broken. That has to be broken. Circumcision is a picture of this, of removing and cutting away the flesh so that seed comes forth unpolluted by the flesh. And Watmani writes extensively about brokenness, and he says, we all have a series of experiences in our lives that contribute to breaking us. But usually there's one big event in our lives that truly breaks us. And it may come early, it may come late or it may come somewhere in the middle. But we should all expect this brokenness to come. It's actually a sign of God's love. It's an act where God destroys in us the thing that is our enemy and would destroy us if it itself was not broken and destroyed. And so we can have peace with God, but he wants to bring us to maturity, to completion. And that can only come through brokenness. So it's a profound lesson 
uh, among other lessons that is taught by this broken vav that appears in this word shalom, only in this one place in the Torah. But there's something else I want to share with you from, from this Torah portion, and it's this. Way back in chapter 1, a census was taken of the adult males in Israel. Um, this census coming right here in the front of the book is one of the reasons why this book is called the Book of Numbers, even though its Hebrew name is Bamidbar in the wilderness. So back in chapter 1, we read this in verses 45-46. So all those listed of the people of Israel by their fathers' houses from 20 years old and upward, every man able to go to war in Israel, all those listed were 603,550. Now if we go 25 chapters later in the book, which is also 40 years later chronologically, the old generation has died, the new generation has grown up to take their place, we have another census. So the book of Numbers begins with a census at the beginning of the 40 years in the wilderness, and then it ends with another census at the end of the 40 years. And as you know, during those 40 years, the generation of those 20 years old and older is dying, and the people who are younger are growing up, having children, and taking their place. So in Numbers 26.51, here is the, uh, the result of the new census. Thus was the list of the sons of Israel 601,730. As you can see from this, the number has actually decreased. It's decreased. This seems to go against intuition. You would expect somehow as this older generation dies and the new generation grows up, that the numbers would increase or be a greater total. But that's, that's exactly the opposite of what actually happened. And if we do the arithmetic, we find out that the difference between the first census and the last is 1,820 people. So the ranks of the Jewish men has decreased by 1,820. Why is this important? Well, this number is unique, and you find it woven in a hidden way in the scriptures. Doing the arithmetic between these two censuses is the way it is most visible in the word, but all the other ways it appears, it's hidden in the Hebrew letters. Let me share just a few of these instances with you. First of all, the number 1,820 equals 26 times 70. Now, if you are familiar with the teachings I've done on Genesis 1 or, or read my book on the Hebrew alphabet, you know the significance of that number 26. 26 is the numerical value of God's holy name, yud Hey vav Hey, 26. And mathematicians have suggested that this number 26, and these are not Torah scholars or Jews or even Bible students to my knowledge, they said this is the most unique number in the entire number system of whole numbers. And the reason for that is that it falls between two, two powers. Uh, 25 is 5 squared, 27 is 3 cubed. So it lies directly between two exponential numbers. 25 and 27. 
no other number can make this claim. And so the rabbis read this, they say, well, 26 is a bridge between dimensions, between uh, the two-dimensional and three-dimensional world, five squared and three cubed. And I'm getting way off on a rabbi trail. But just needless to say, 26 is the number of God's name. And 1,820 equals 26 times 70. Now, you probably know that seven is the number of completion and perfection. It, you could say it's shalem, it's complete. But 70 would be like a seven on steroids, because whenever you multiply something by 10, it just elevates whatever the nature of that number is. So 1,820 is God's name times completion, ultimate, utter completion. Now, stop there for a moment. At first, you might think, well, God's blessing has decreased on the people of Israel because their final census shows fewer men than the previous census. But God comes along and hidden in this number, he says, no, I'm in the middle of this. You know, I've decreased you. I've broken you. There's been a lot of death. There have been a lot of funerals over the 40 years. And though your numbers may be fewer, your glory is greater. Though there may be fewer men, I'm going to do greater things with those few. And sure enough, it's this group of people who do cross the Jordan and go in and conquer the land. So let's look at another one. yud heh vav God's name, there you can see it spelled out in Hebrew letters. Guess how many times that name appears in the Torah? Exactly 1,820 times. So we see again that this number is tied very closely to God's name. Now, it appears in other places in the prophets and the writings, but in the Torah, in the first five books of the Bible, it appears 1,820 times. Now, the very first word of the Torah is the word bereshit, which means in the beginning. Here's the word. In the beginning, Bereshit, Beit, Resh, Aleph, Shin, Yud, Tav. Now, you probably know that each letter of the alphabet, its name is a word. Beit is a word, Resh is a word, Aleph is a word, and so on. And if we take these words and spell them out, and there you see them, Beit, Resh, Aleph, Shin, Yud, Tav, and we spell them out, take their numerical values, they add up to exactly 1,820. So in the beginning, God's name is encoded into the creation. His name appears 1,820 times in the Torah. 1,820 is his name times 70, the number of ultimate perfection. And the difference between the first census and the final census is 1,820. Like the broken vav in the word shalom, it's been reduced, but it's been made complete. This is a principle in scripture. So the next time God breaks you, reduces you, you feel like you've been diminished somehow or something's been lost, trust me, this is God's hand replacing something physical in your life, 
with something spiritual and making you more complete and making his shalom perfect in your life. So I hope you've been blessed by this bit of Torah seasoning. And until next week, I bid you shalom and God bless. That's all I have to say.